gospel is a very particular word or kind of speech in the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, the gospel is God's promise of a son who will crush the serpent's head, forgive the sins of his people, raise them from the dead, and give them everlasting life solely on the basis of his grace for the sake of Christ. If you're interested in the, the beginnings of the church, you know, I think looking at the creed is a great way of, of getting into church history and really seeing where the faith kind of came together. In the scripture, the way it presents discernment is actually the skill that you develop where you're able to identify goodness. And what was surprising to me is that is much the way we use the language of discernment outside of the church. The real difference, I would say, like what patriarchy teaches versus what we should believe, is that what they believe about the nature of men and women, that there is something fundamentally different about authority and submission between men and women. And that's not just like within particular relationships, but men and women in general. This is their nature. What are the duties required in the Ninth Commandment? The duties required in the Ninth Commandment are the preserving and promoting of truth between man and man. The Gospel never tells us something to do. The Gospel tells us about something that's been done. Welcome to Theology Gals. This is Colleen Sharp and Rachel Miller is my co-host. This week, we are going to talk about the sufficiency of scripture. Sometimes we pick topics based on things we see kind of talked about social, it talked about on social media. And um, recently, there's been some discussion about what that means and what it doesn't mean and um, some different things like that. So, Rachel, maybe we could just talk a little bit before we kind of dig into it uh, about some of what it means and what it what it doesn't mean. And I was actually thinking through all the kind of context I see this brought up. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the ones that is common is in like the the biblical new counseling realm. Well, scripture is sufficient. We don't need any sort of other counseling. That's one thing I've I've heard it in. Can you think of some examples? Yeah, I was thinking of some others. Um, counseling is a big one. Um, and of course, the, all the things connected around it. So um, like medical treatments or secular treatments for uh, mental health issues would, are related to that uh, as far in marriage counseling. Um, I was thinking some others, though. Um, sometimes you see it in in those who say that we don't need like creeds and confessions. Oh yes, that's a big one. Yep. And I don't know. I I feel like it. it these discussions kind of go in cycles. Like, what is the joke about? I mean, we don't. Those of us who don't follow like a church calendar, there's a there's a Twitter church calendar. And we're <laughs> about to go into the um, debate over Halloween and then the debate debate over Christmas and. Yeah, the, uh, they they do seem to cycle. Um, David and Bathsheba cycles almost as often as as yes. What does it mean to be um, su- scripture being sufficient? So yeah, these these seem to be very common debates. Yeah, and I I've really 
come to the conclusion when I, I read some of the debates out there in social media. And I think it's easy for each of us to kind of pick and choose where we're going to say scripture is sufficient and, and where we're not. Um, you think of so much of, of life that we live that is not um, specifically spiritual and about salvation and the uh, doctrines of the faith that, you know, I, when I'm making dinner, I pull out a cookbook. Um, doesn't, doesn't give me too many recipes. I guess there's a couple in there. Um, you know, some of the, the practical parenting mm-hmm. that, that we use. And even, even with our parenting where we, ha- we have some standards to live by, which we incorporate in our parenting. Um, but there, there's a lot of, lot of practical, even in training them in the faith mm-hmm. where we do get input from, you know, other, other things, marriage. And one, one of the things too, I think is sometimes I'll see, and I think, you know, this from like the manhood, womanhood discussions Mm -hmm. is people will take, you know, one small verse and base all kinds of stuff on it. And not always even biblical though. They'll take that verse, they'll read into it. They'll make that the center of everything. Yeah. Um, I was thinking too, like, you know, about how people pick and choose. And, and I know I saw this in some of the discussions uh, recently, but, but, you know, the, even the people who say that, that scripture is sufficient and, and they mean it in the sense that we don't need outside resources for uh, counseling or for mental health or those types of uh, marriage advice, parenting, those, those types of things. Um, even they, you know, if someone came to them, on a Sunday morning and asked a question, they're still going to preach a sermon uh, as part of the service. They're not going to simply read from scripture. So there is even there, you know, they don't mean, they don't really mean scripture is sufficient in the sense that they, they use it uh, like that's the end all of the conversation. And the other thing is, and I think this is a, a big one that I thought about, especially in regards to the recent discussions where you had some people um, kind of disparaging the creeds or the confessions. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they're signing this new statement where mm-hmm. where people almost at some of these statements, and you know, there may be statements that are helpful. We've we've had them in some of our denominations before, but not quite like, but sometimes these statements come out and then you're judged whether you sign them or not, yeah. almost almost it, as if it is a creed. Right. This is our confession. This is our creed. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of irony in that. Um, but yes. So, or even, you know, do you listen to this pastor or that theologian? Do you um, look for advice from, from books written by other Christians? There's a lot there that we do that we look for information and wisdom uh, and resources outside of scripture. And I, I think it's appropriate too. Absolutely. So, what what is sufficiency? Why don't you tell us what it is? Well, I thought about you when I was putting together some notes because, you know, you like to pull up uh, dictionary definitions um, in our discussions. And I think it's really cool. So, I, bought, I got one for this. 
So sufficiency, uh, by one of the dictionary definitions, is the condition or quality of being adequate, um, which is, it's something that is enough, it's sufficient, it's enough. Uh, And I thought that was a a helpful, I mean, these are words that we, we use, we know, we know what they mean, but it's helpful to think about what the actual definitions are. And what, one of the things I, I didn't want to forget to point out is one of the reasons why sufficiency of scripture is something we believe and emphasize in Protestant churches is because this was one of the uh, debates at the time of the Reformation mm-hmm. where uh, the Catholic Church sees this topic differently than the Protestant churches. Yes. Um, and you know, and it is a big deal. We'll, we'll see it also discussed as sola scriptura, which we'll talk about a little more too in a bit. But um, scripture alone, the sufficiency of scripture. Um, a couple of the verses that we we look to in scripture to talk about why scripture is important and what it means for us. Uh, Romans fifteen four: For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. That's the purpose. One of the purposes of scripture. And of course, in the other one that uh, is well known is 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. And I think that the Reformed Confessions, there's actually um, several places, but uh, to talk about Westminster Confession, because I think this is actually a really good summary and understanding the sufficiency of scripture. The whole counsel of God concerning all things necessary for his own glory, man's salvation, faith, and life is either expressly set down in scripture or by good and necessary consequence may be deduced from scripture, unto which nothing at any time is to be added, whether by new revelations of the spirit or traditions of men. You can kind of see um, mm-hmm. The traditions of men, specifically talking about some of what's in the Catholic Church. Nevertheless, we acknowledge the inward illumination of the Spirit of God to be necessary for the saving understanding of such things as are revealed in the Word, and that there are some circumstances concerning the worship of God and government of the Church common to human actions and societies, which are to be ordered by the light of nature and Christian prudence according to the general rules of the word, which are always to be observed. And I I recommend, you know, if this is something you're trying to understand, go go look at Westminster um, mm-hmm. confession because I think I think it's really, really helpful in this it's discussion, especially that first part, mm-hmm. which says the whole counsel of God concerning all things necessary for his own glory, man's salvation faith and life. It, it is really good. And, and for, on this topic and, and many others within the confession, where they give a good um, delineation of what what they are talking about, but then you also get the what they aren't talking about, right? Like this is, when they talk about it, it's, it's, it's the things necessary for God's glory, man's salvation, faith and life. Um, it, it doesn't also add, and everything else you could possibly ever want to know about the world, Right. Right. Well, but you know, it's saying it's these things. Yes. Um, It's we have everything that we need to know about salvation and how to live as Christians in a way that is honoring God and how to worship Him. These things are set down in Scripture. 
Um, and I like the next section. Um, this is all from the section of on Scripture in the Confession, uh, Westminster Confession, where it says, All things in Scripture are not alike plain in themselves, nor alike clear unto all. Yet those things which are necessary to be known, believed, and observed for salvation are so clearly propounded and open in some place of Scripture or other, that not only the learned, but the unlearned, in due use of the ordinary means, may attain unto a sufficient understanding of them. Which, I love this because, you know, as, as you know, we come from out of the Reformation, it means that any of us can read Scripture and with the right um, understanding of the words and, and understanding what the words say, there's we can understand what it means to be saved. We can know what, what God requires. Um, we don't have to have um, something added to it. We don't need, the, like I said in the first part, traditions added to it to, to be saved. Um, we don't um, have to have special education, like where we've been um, trained in a special way to be understood that we, so that we can understand it enough. Um, you know, it's the part that is uh, on what we need to, to know and believe uh, to be saved is something that, that a child can understand. And I don't, not to belittle children, it's just something that is, it is plain and, and well understood. Um, but it doesn't mean that all doctrines are all easy to understand. It doesn't mean that all parts of scripture are easy to understand. And I really appreciate that the, the confession acknowledges that. Um, it reminds me of uh, the place in in First Peter, where he says that, you know, these, that things that Paul say, Paul's written, if not all, not all easy to understand, um, and I'm like, thank you, Peter, because there are times that it's really hard to understand mm-hmm. what Paul was saying. I'm glad I wasn't the only one. Um, what do you, what do you want to think? What do you think about that? Absolutely agree with everything you said. I, I absolutely love how Westminster Smaller Catechism sums it up. Um, I, I, I love this. What do the scriptures principally teach? The scriptures principally teach what man is to believe concerning God and what duty God requires of man. Mm -hmm. And scripture is sufficient in teaching us those things. And I I agree there. I mean, even I've, I've been a Christian a very long time and there's still some things that's like, I don't know if I fully grasp this thing or, you know, as I'm reading scripture, or I'm sure you've had the, the situation where, you know, you're reading a passage of scripture that you've read hundreds of times before. And I guess by the work of the Holy Spirit, you understand it um, better. Yes. Um, or you, you grasp more of it. There's the, the connections to, the, to another passage, the, what it, how it applies, those things become more clear. Um, yeah. Going back to the, where you, you paused about, you know, Nothing is to be added at, at any time, whether by new revelation of the spirit or traditions of men. And it really, uh, it, it strikes at two errors. One is, of course, what the the Reformation was fighting in the against in the the Catholic Church or pro- protesting against in the Catholic Church with the additions of of tradition and tradition being elevated to the same level as Scripture that they were somehow equal in authority. Um, the other being uh, something that's very common now in more, uh, you know, Pentecostal or charismatic type churches, 
um, where you need that special revelation of the Spirit um, that that adds on to Scripture, right? Not that we're saying, obviously, and it talks about this, and we've already read that, uh, that in order to be saved, the, the Spirit has to enlighten us and, and to make salvation known to us. But that doesn't mean that, you know, we're going to hear new revelations from from the Spirit to tell us new things that aren't included in Scripture. And I like the fact that it addresses both of those issues. And the, the comforting thing about that is that the Scripture being complete is that we don't have to worry that there's a new message that's essential that we've missed, right? It, God has given us everything that we need to know about salvation and about how to serve Him well, uh, how to live as Christians and, and we have it all. We have all the information that he believes we need, right? Or he knows we need. And uh, so, we don't have to be afraid that we've missed something. Jelly. Think about how much the world has changed since the Westminster Standards were written. Mm-hmm. And that it equally applies. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the other things uh, that I think it's important as we're talking about this is there is a misunderstanding of sufficiency. There's a misunderstanding of sola scriptura that leads to uh, a, a biblicist position where, um, you know, it's me and my Bible, right? I, I just, I'll read my Bible and I will understand it to myself and with myself and only what it says. Um, and that's, that's simply not what the reformers meant by it. And it's not how, um, uh, it's not the way to use scripture as being sufficient and not certainly not what we mean when we say sola scriptura. Um, some of the resources that we'll link in this episode, uh, there's an article by R. Scott Clark that I really liked. And he, he goes through several of the re- the reformers, including Calvin and Luther and uh, I think Beza, um, Zwingli, I can't remember all the others. Uh, in there, but how they address scripture and what they meant by sola scriptura. So he says, uh, Calvin believed that holy scripture, as the only infallible rule of faith and practice, should serve as the final authority by which to judge Christian doctrine and practice. But that was not his only resource for theology. Consequently, he regularly consulted and appealed to early Christian documents documents and church authorities, most notably Augustine, to gain theological insight and clarity on contested doctrinal matters. And I'm glad that we're talking about this because I've seen people um, say, well, you believe in the creeds and confessions? Don't you believe in sola scriptura? Don't you believe in the sufficiency of scripture? And there are so many misunderstandings about what that meant. I So, I highly recommend that article that we'll be linking. Um, so, we're going to, I got a bunch of uh, resources that I'm going to link in this. And one of the things, I'll just mention it now because we'll be referring to it later, but Whitehorse Inn did a conference on the sufficiency of scripture. And so, I think there's four messages, uh, Rod Rosenblatt, Michael Horton, Kim Riddlebarger and Ken Jones. Uh, so two Reformed teachers, a uh, Reformed Baptist and a Lutheran on, on this topic. And I'll link that. But um, Kim also has a couple of 
of articles talking about that and had some really good quotes. When we speak of scripture as sufficient, we mean that the Bible reveals everything God wants us to know about his will and how to be saved from his wrath. The Bible was given for a very specific purpose. The Bible does not teach us everything that might be useful or practical to know, nor was it intended to do so. And then just one more from him. In the Bible, we have all that we need to know God's will and to be saved. As justified sinners who are cleansed by the blood of Christ and clothed in his perfect righteousness, we are free to approach the holy God with thankful hearts and worship him in a manner he prescribes. But we only know this because the Bible reveals this to us. This is what we mean when we say scripture is sufficient. Exactly. That was a really helpful article. Uh, yeah. And those summaries are very good. Um, I recommend that, that resource. Yeah. And um, I'll put those in the episode notes. Yeah. Uh, another good one is uh, an article on the sufficiency of scripture by Matthew Barrett. We had him on to talk about the Trinity. Um, he says, scripture is sufficient in that it is the only inspired, inerrant, and therefore final authority for Christians for faith and godliness, with all other authorities being subservient to scripture. And I like that because uh, it, it, when we talk about how we use the creeds and the confessions, we would say that they are subservient to scripture. Right? These are um, they're useful, they're helpful, they contain the doctrines that we find in scripture. But we would say that scripture is um, is our final authority. So if something in the confessions or the creeds needed to be changed or adjusted um, or found to be out of alignment to scripture, scripture would be what we were aligning it to. So we're we're just going to do a quick overview on what sufficiency doesn't mean, and I'll tell you we're barely touching this topic. So I think this is an important topic to understand. And I highly recommend further study uh, in some of the resources that we're going to include. So what sufficiency doesn't mean? I'll start. It doesn't mean every question we have must be answered in scripture. And, you know, there there's even um, topics in scripture that um, you may ask your pastor, hey, I don't even understand this specifically. And he may give some helpful commentary that's mm-hmm. beneficial to you. Or, you know, we, we all read books on different topics that can be helpful in understanding the scripture, you know, hear sermons. And um, there actually is, I can, maybe you know, Rachel, a denomination, or I don't know, if that doesn't believe in my friend was part of it, doesn't believe in preaching, so they just read scripture. Anyway, so that's taking it to a very different extreme. Yes, um, and certainly not what, when uh, when Paul encourages us to, you know, exhort each other to uh, teach, we, we should be talking about these, these topics in scripture and expounding on them. I mean, it's one one very good reason why we have a, a podcast on theology, right? We, we like to talk about it and we like to encourage each other with it. So, another thing that scripture, that sufficiency doesn't mean. Sufficiency doesn't mean that creeds and confessions are unnecessary or unbiblical. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we would certainly say that scripture 
Scripture is the final authority, so there, it is more authoritative than the creeds and the confessions, but the creeds and confessions are useful resources. These are statements and doctrine that have been um, uh, thought through, and the, and the wording has been discussed in a way to help us understand what it means. Uh, for example, on the Trinity, or on the sacraments, or salvation, what uh, justification and sanctification mean. These um, are all from Scripture. These are all discussions in scripture that we can find, and there certainly are, uh, the confessions uh, have versions that have the scriptural verses, so you can see what it's pulling from, but it helps us understand, so we understand what it means, what we believe, how to, how to interpret things, um, but, and it's useful in that way, but they are not uh, more important than scripture. And I think going through the, you know, I, I really like to go through the proof text, you know, for each catechism question or Mm -hmm. section on the, uh, on the confession, because it's, 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 go ahead, sorry. No, it's very helpful. And I was going to say on the creeds, if, if you um, learn about kind of the history of the creeds, sometimes these are battles fought in in early church history, like the Trinity, and um, people trying to understand scripture, sometimes wrongly understanding it, so the the creeds oppose those heretical views. I was just going to say that the the proof texts on the in the confessions are helpful uh, resources as well when you're looking at you know where does the scripture talk about this topic. It's a great way of of looking at. Um, versus to for further study. Um, so I like to use it that way as well. Even with your kids, because I know you mm-hmm. did that with, you are doing that, have done that with your kids. And mm-hmm. um, me too, we would do, even do some of that as a family um, going through sections, like when the kids were learning the, the children's catechism when they're really young, looking mm-hmm. up those verses. The Bible is the only source of wisdom and knowledge. So I think we kind of addressed this a little bit. You, you know, one of the things I think, and even the confession that we read earlier kind of addressed this, is even the work of the Holy Spirit in guiding us in wisdom and knowledge. But there's a lot just in all of life and even even in church that we can benefit benefit from that is based on scripture. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of common sense knowledge. And yes, I was going to say that. <laughs> common, and common grace knowledge, right? Like, you know, if you go, um, if you go to go to college and you learn engineering, right? There's, you learn calculus and physics. If you learn history and languages, these are common grace, wisdom and knowledge that we have that are not, um, that anyone can learn um, given the right abilities and, and access, but not um, not required for salvation. So they are not expounded in scripture. Yes. And that that's an important thing going back to that that Westminster um, shorter catechism that mm-hmm. the scriptures principally teach what man is to believe concerning God and what duty God requires of man. It doesn't it doesn't teach you what your kids' bedtime should be. There's much in life that we have to navigate with wisdom and yes, 
Um, another big one, we mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast, but uh, what sufficiency doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that counseling must rely only on scripture. And I know we've we've done discussions before about this on various uh, in various topics, but um, there is a need uh, with counseling. It's a multifaceted need. You may have um, you know physical needs that need to be addressed um, with medications, thinking about or treatments or surgery or any number of ways where you might need help uh, from medical doctors. But within counseling, you may have um, a need for soul care, right? Where you need to talk to your pastor or trusted member, uh, trusted uh, Christian friend, and get good advice uh, scripturally because it's there's good advice um, pastorally. Um, but there are also counseling for um, how to be a good parent. There are counseling for um, marriage struggles. There's counseling for um, coping mechanisms for you know, depression and anxiety. There's counseling for any number of of aspects of our life that scriptures just don't fully address. Um, we can learn things from scripture. We can learn how to go to God and in our needs, but um, counseling can and should uh, take advantage of that common grace knowledge that we were talking about. Yeah, um, I'm going to give a very specific example um, because I have friends that have been through this, but victims of abuse, um, you know, maybe sexual abuse as a child. Um, you know, I even know a pastor that somebody came to him and wanted counseling and he said, you know, I think you need a very specific sort of help that I'm not trained in which I thought was very wise. Trauma-informed counseling is, is crucial uh, when you're dealing with, um, with abuse. You need someone who knows what they're doing. Um, yeah. So that, that's a, that's a, I know an even much deeper discussion, but one of, I'll just add one more thing to the mental health thing. I think uh, one of the problems um where there, I know mental illness is complicated mm-hmm. and, you know, they're learning more all the time, but I'm of the opinion, cause I've, I've seen this where it can be almost dangerous to not recognize the need for um, professional care. Um, there are kinds of depression and anxiety or, you know, mental illness of all sorts that may need a specific a specific assistance. And you should not feel bad if if you need that. I think it's kind of dangerous if somebody is suffering from a severe mental illness. Um, like you look at something like postpartum depression, which is very physical. Um, your body's going through all kinds of hormonal changes and hormones can affect things like depression, anxiety, and other things where, you know, a a medical professional is, is needed in that situation. And it can be dangerous to not recognize that. Um, If you were in situations where uh, you need 
um, help either for your mental health, for your safety. If you're in an abusive situation, get the help that you need um, and and seek out the resources of people who can really help. Um, yeah. <laughs> we, we talked about, we've already mentioned um, several kind of practical where, and let me be clear, I think our faith and, and what we believe informs uh, navigating things with wisdom, but Absolutely. it doesn't it doesn't tell you, you know, who to vote for, where to work, what to study in college, who to marry, and how you know, many kids to have. Right. How many kids to have. How to educate them. Right. It these are things so much in life, and I know I say it all the time because I think it's true that that we navigate them with wisdom. And of course, our faith and scripture helps us to navigate, but there are so many things that are not black and white. And so it kind of brings us into Christian liberty. I'll say something and then let Rachel wrap up, but I just had a perfect example of something. Somebody, um, a a woman from our group uh, wanted to know what I did with my kids regarding something. And it's, it's about the most Christian liberty issue out there. I'm not going to say what it is. And I said, I, I don't really think it matters what I did. Um, I think it's Christian liberty. So, you know, uh, walk in wisdom and do what you want. <laughs> That's what I, what I kind of said. Um, that there are so many issues like that, that, I mean, all you have to do is go to Facebook where people make these very black and white proclamations on so many different different things. And yes, we should walk in wisdom. Absolutely. And so many in, in everything we should, but we need to be really careful with these black and white proclamations about Christianity that are not specifically in scripture. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you know, we talked, we've talked about this many times before, you know, as you said, Colleen, um, Christian liberty. Uh, one of the things that our pastor likes to say is that we, we each as believers have the Holy Spirit, have the same Holy Spirit. And so we're, we're going to be making decisions um, with, you know, with the, the spirit at work in us, with our knowledge of scripture and in the communities, communities that we're in trying to make decisions wisely, but we may make different decisions from each other. And in matters of liberty, when it's not something that scripture says, you must do this, or you must not do that. These are just ways we're going to have to learn to live together um, and learn not to judge each other over. Yeah. And I, I'm going to give one more practical example of where this plays out. And I think every, every one of us has seen this sort of thing. Um, Back in the 90s, there was a parenting program that was called Parenting, uh, Growing Kids God's Way. And they had like a, um, a preparation for parenting program on how to parent your newborn. And it literally said that the biblical godly way is to put them on the schedule. And here's the schedule that you must put them on. You feed them at these times, you put them down for a nap at these times. It's most, I, I'm sorry that so many people bought into it. You want a schedule? I think it's absolutely fine. The thing that I oppose is saying, this is the only biblical way to do so. We've got to be so careful 
um, with with doing that about literally anything. You see the the battles about holidays and you know any number of things. We just um, be wise, um, but be really careful saying that something is black and white. That you must do this this way. And this is the only biblical way when scripture hasn't said that. Um, It's important because otherwise uh, it's putting burdens on each other. Um, And that's the the quote from the confession or Westminster confession on um, conscience and on Christian liberty is that the Lord is, God is the Lord of the conscience, right? He's, he's the one who, who we answer to. Uh, on in matters like such as these, and yeah, we we need to and there and gracious. just I think it's caused so many problems because um, I talk to women all the time and the burden and the pressure mm-hmm. that they feel if somebody tells them this is the black and white on something that scripture hasn't addressed. This is the black and white, and you're sinning to do otherwise. I once heard somebody say it was sinful to get an epidural during childbirth. (laughs) And I'm just like, okay, this is just going too far. Mm -hmm. There's just some really crazy stuff out there. And I'll go so far as to say, if you're somebody that gets burdened easily with some of these, you know, ideas, just stay away from the conversations, um, you know, on faith and what is sin. God, God has told us in his word. So, okay. I think we'll wrap it up. If you want to learn more, please look at the resources, check out the white horse Inn conference. Um, Cause I think there'll be a lot, lot more than we were able to touch on. Also too, Here. if you had questions, um, if there's something that we covered and you wanted to know more about, or you have a question about it, feel free to reach out. And we can address that. Yeah, we haven't done a question and answer episode in a while. So maybe we will do that. Uh, You can email theologygals at gmail.com or reach out to either of us on social media. Well, thank you for joining us. 